Welcome to Life Hacks Your Pastors, where we equip pastors with strategies and tools to navigate the personal and relational challenges of ministry life. Today, Don and Tom continue a conversation about how we can build resilience by not giving up and have a conversation with David Lingens, the pastor of Emmanuel Southern Baptist Church in Yuma, Arizona. So welcome to Life Hacks for Pastors. My name is Don Vickers. I'm the Association Mission Strategist for Yuma Mission Network in Yuma, Arizona. And I'm Tom Burks, the lead pastor of Stone Ridge Church in Yuma, and we're excited to have you on the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, today we have the opportunity to expand our conversation with resilience by not giving up and having a conversation with David Lynchens. And David is the the pastor here at Emmanuel Southern Baptist Church um, for one more week, <laughs> right? Uh, yes. David, welcome to Life Hacks for Pastors. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. Uh, well, every week, David, we uh, we like to share a life hack, and I know Don sent you a, a heads up that we we're going to see if you have maybe a life hack that you could share. It could be about ministry, but it doesn't have to be. It just could be something you figured out in life to make something easier, something work for you. What What do you got for us? <laughs> yeah, as I kind of pondered a life hack, I'm like, I don't know too much, <laughs> but uh, something that really has helped me, though, in ministry is to... I spend a lot of time on emails and email mm, subscriptions oh yeah. and subscriptions Ugh. to this news source or this Christian ministry or that, and it just clutters up everything. Right. I spend so much time going through those. So for me to just cut those out and unsubscribe a lot from stuff has mm. really cleared my plate and helped out to have more time for ministry. I yeah. need to do that more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every, every once in a while, I'll get to that point where... All I'm doing is clicking delete mm -hmm. on all these emails, so I'm not even reading them anymore. I, right. I just see who it's from, and I said, I'm nah, not interested, not interested. And yeah, if I would just unsubscribe, I'd have a much cleaner life. Yeah, my email program has this feature, which I say with air quotes, that it puts all those newsletters into one folder. Mm. So now I've gotten to the point where like, I just see the number on that folder of unread emails. It just keeps going up and up, and I just can't even bring myself to open that folder. Every once in a while, I'll open it, and I'll scan the, like, the last 20 emails to be like, if something got mislabeled and put in there that I need to see. Right. But I'm not even deleting them anymore. They're yeah. just like stacking up. It's terrible. Most of my emails are probably in that folder somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so uh, if you have a life hack that you would like to uh, share with us, you can send that to lifehacksforpastors at gmail.com. And it can get you some of this um, life hacks for pastors swag we keep talking about. Mm -hmm. Change your life. Absolutely. So during this year, again, we're talking about how pastors can build resilience uh, in their lives. And we've talked about resilience as being that ability to bounce back or to continue on even when we face challenges. And so we're talking about how how to build resilience every month. And this this month, we're really talking about this idea of not giving up. And uh, last week, we took two reasons why we said uh, pastors shouldn't give up. One is that God sees what you're going through. Uh, he's not unaware. He's not, he's not inactive. He knows what's, what you're going through, and he, he is there by your side. And the second is the idea that you don't have to do this alone. 
And sometimes in the pressures, we isolate ourselves and we 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 kind of insulate ourselves from everybody else. And then the more we do that, the more alone we feel in the situation. But we don't have to do that. We have we have other pastors we can relate to, other other mentors and other coaches that we can relate to that would help us help us walk through whatever it is that you're facing. So you don't have to do this alone. David, I wanted I wanted you to be on with us because I think you have a great story to share um, with pastors who may be under pressure or feel like today is the day that they should just throw in the towel. Hmm. And so would you would you mind sharing a little bit about the experiences that you had before you came to Emmanuel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, my, wife, my wife Linda and I went through a very difficult time in the pastorate we were in before we came to Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. We were uh, just finished seminary and uh, had gone to a full-time church. Um, and the first month or so was pretty nice and, you know, getting to learn people, know people, learn to lay the land. And so the way I approach preaching is to preach through books of the Bible. And I was going through, I believe, First Thessalonians. And in chapter 4, Paul talks about how this is God's will for you, that you uh, flee immorality, sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I preached on that a bit because I have some experience in my past with sexual sin mm-hmm. uh, before the Lord called us into ministry early in our marriage. Right. Uh, I was unfaithful to my wife, which was horrible, but it's who I was back then and had to work through that. Pornography played a big part of that, and I had to deal with that in my life. But the Lord had uh, given me victory over that. I had repented of that sin, and the Lord has called us into ministry even after that, and I struggled with that call to ministry even. But uh, So anyway, I was sharing this with that congregation in the context of uh, dealing with sexual immorality in your life. And in, in a room, there were over 250 people. And so I knew in a group that size that there were some men there that were struggling with this issue. Right. right. Inevitably, and, yeah. Yeah. And so I was just trying to encourage them, look, I've had victory over this. I would love to come alongside you and walk with you to help you have victory over this. So come and talk to me, and I'll be glad to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, that church could not look past the sin and see the redemption that was there. Oh, really? Yeah. And so what happened from that point on was the rumors began to start. We have a pervert for a pastor. Uh. And it just went through the whole community of that small town of 2,000 people. And so just everywhere we went, people, we were just kind of stigmatized, ostracized. And so it was not a good experience. Uh, mm. I had deacons meetings that were just horrible, yeah. mean-spirited, mm. lies about not only me, but also about my wife, which I just could not stand for, and, and mm. got into several fights. <laughs> no other way to put that, uh, even with other church leadership. So Linda and I were really praying, Lord, Lord, <laughs> can we leave? Can we please just leave this place? And the Lord kept saying, no, you got to hang in there a little while longer. And uh, so we stayed, and it was hard. Yeah. Um, Did you have any expectation going into that sharing that message that it would be hard for some people, or did that did this come out of left field? No, I didn't expect. I, I fully expected that people would focus on the redemption that came right. in Christ. Right. And I was offering hope to men, mm-hmm. and I was. My, I was going into this thinking they'll take advantage of that. Somebody will take advantage right. of that, and I'll have some conversations with some guys to be able to help them. And that was my expectation. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
So that went further down the road where Lynn and I kept praying, Lord, can we leave? The Lord kept saying, no, I needed help. I was, I was drowning. We were hurting so bad. Yeah. Uh, things just kept getting worse and worse. So uh, you're talking about having, uh, you don't have to go through this alone and right. having somebody to help you. And so uh, the president of the seminary I graduated from had always told the students, look, I'm here for you. When you get out there and you're passionate and you're having troubles, you can call on me and I'll be there to help you. So we were hurting so bad. I said, hey, I'm going to call him on it and see if he really means that. And so sure enough, I got a hold of him and he was there and he helped me. And uh, he, I'm, I'm glad that's how the story went. I was waiting for the, like, and he wouldn't take my call. <laughs> well, initially he was out of the country oh. and I had to wait for him to call me back, but he did. That's great. And so he walked with me. He coached me through that and helped me, prayed with me through that, gave me advice and said, yeah, hang in there until the Lord gives you a release, you mm. know. It ended up being two years uh, wow. that we stuck that out. And finally, uh, the Lord gave us the release in the form of one Wednesday morning. I was in my office, and uh, two of the deacons, the chairman of the deacon and another deacon, walked into my office, and they said, Brother David, uh, the deacons had a meeting last night. Of course, I didn't know anything That's about always, that. That's always good news. Yeah. 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 And they said, we've decided that time's come for us to give you the opportunity to resign. And I said, well, what if I don't? They said, well, then we're going to have to bring you before the church uh, to to release you. And so at that point, Linda and I saw that as God's way of saying, wow. okay, now you can go. It's time to yeah. go ahead and go. And so I did. I resigned. And I just put that church right down the middle. Wow. I resigned. I literally, that Sunday morning, I announced my retirement. Linda and I walked out to the foyer like we always did, just to shake people's hands as they went out. And we stood out there in that foyer and listened to this half of the congregation yelling at the other half of the congregation, why have you done this again? He was such a good pastor, et cetera, et cetera. And it just went on for about 30 minutes or so before anybody mm. finally came out of there. And so it was an ugly experience. And that we were really gracious. hurting from that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard you tell tell that story. We've known each other for a long time, but we've never gotten into that detail. Yeah. yeah. So, and you came you came here out of that experience. Well, or was there something? There was an interim period oh, where okay. I was not even sure I wanted to continue in ministry. Well, sure. Yeah. And so what happened was we we went to that church right after we graduated seminary. So right. we didn't own a home or anything. We moved into a parsonage there and lived in that mm. parsonage. So when all this happened, we had nothing. We had nowhere to go. So our son was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he is single at that time, had a three-bedroom house. So he said, Mom, Dad, you can move in with me until you figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did. And we had no idea how long that period would be before we started ministering and if we would ever start ministering somewhere mm -hmm. again. And it ended up being five months wow. that we were with our son there. And I was doing odd jobs, substitute teaching mm -hmm. in the school district. Uh, loading trucks on a loading dock, a uh, graveyard shift in the winter. Oh, it was horrible. Oh, wow. Uh, and all the time praying, God, what is going on? What do you have for us next? What do I do? Do I go back in ministry, stay out of ministry? What do we do? Yeah. And that's where we were. Hmm. So so from that context, then you hear about Emmanuel or you, your, your resume gets here and they contact you. What was it like getting prepared to to re-engage um, in ministry once again. What were your feelings? What were your thoughts as you thought about coming to a, yet another place? Well, first of all, I guess our prayers seem to be being answered in that 
no, don't quit ministry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do have another place for you. Good. So one of the lessons that I learned from that bad experience, when we started talking with Emmanuel and their pastor search committee, uh, I determined in my heart, I'm putting everything out on the table. I am putting all my cards out on the table. That's I'm, so smart, because there certainly had to be a temptation to go the 180 degrees the other way. Oh, yeah. And be like, I'm not going to tell these people nothing about me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be right. ultra-guarded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so uh, I just put everything on the table. I told them what had happened. I told them why it happened. I told them about my past, the sins of my past, but I also told them about redemption in Christ and hmm. how God's forgiven us. And what was beautiful was one of the – ladies on the search committee, she said, well, was all that in your past? Has it been forgiven? And I said, yep. And the whole committee just went, oh, okay, well, then we don't even bother with that because that's in the past. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's what, that's what should have happened at this other right, time. Right, right. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What, what were some things that may have given you hope, and maybe part of that conversation, um, that Emmanuel might be different from the experience that you just had. Yeah, well, that very thing right there I just mentioned for sure gave us hope. But then the people here accepted us, and they they received us into their community. That was something else that never happened mm. in the previous past. It was in that little town. If you weren't from there, you don't get in. Oh, and wow. we were never let into that community. Uh, but here is open arms. They received us well, immediately started loving on us. And so the hope was there that, okay, this will be different because the people from the very start were so much different than the people where we had just come from. Yeah. Well, I know, I know the people of Emmanuel. I know you guys um, over these years, and I know they love you, mm -hmm. right? It's, yeah. it's been a good house yes, um, and will continue to be a good house. Um, but at the same time, Emmanuel's a challenging house. Mm -hmm. um, she's been in a period of decline for years, even before you came. Mm -hmm. um, how how has, again, this assignment been challenging for you? And maybe have there been times when you felt like this is this is time to to pull the cord and escape? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> The congregation, when we came, was an older congregation, age-wise, yeah. and no, no young people, right. no young families, no children, no youth group, and literally an octogenarian church. Mm -hmm. And so what's happened over the years, we've been here 12 years, and so what happened over the years is one year went by, two years went by, three years, people started graduating to heaven. People right. were passing huh. away. Yep. And I did so many funerals of our church members. Mm -hmm. And so I literally have a list of over 50 people that were members of Emmanuel that passed away and went to heaven under wow. our pastor while we're pastor here. Yeah. And so that's a lot of people. Well, and that's a lot of pastoral care mm. for the people who are losing friends and yeah. family. Yeah. Yeah. And so then as they're passing away, there's nobody coming in to take their place. Right. Mm. Those who are uh, that were remaining here in the congregation, wonderful people, like you said, they love us, and treat us well, generous. Uh, I mean, just wonderful to us. But at the same time, they just were very inward focused, and they're really good at loving one another, each other inside of the church walls, mm. but not so much getting beyond themselves mm -hmm. out into the community. We tried a few things, community events here and there. Uh, one of the frustrations was that 
we would we would have a community event, and then the following Sunday, no one would show up at church from that event, and then the members would say, "Well, that didn't work. We're never doing that again." You know, right. let's oh, go on, yeah. let's try the next thing. You know, right. and there was no long view, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and it was just that, that didn't work, so don't do it. And so it was frustrating. Um, so just having the, the frustration, the challenges, just having to overcome that kind of mentality and trying to get us all to where we'd be more outward focused and. Uh, go out beyond ourselves. Yeah. So a few years ago, you, you led the church through a refocus process. And tell us a little bit about what that's done for both you and for Emmanuel. Yeah. Yeah, the refocus process was a lot of hard work and uh, <laughs> a lot of meetings, a lot of thinking, a lot of praying. Um, but, but it's been a really, really good thing for the church. Uh, as far as the church goes, having gone through that process and examining ourselves, who we are, how God has put us together, the talents and gifts that he has given us, what we have to offer to the community, and then going out to discover the, what the needs are in the community and do our gifts and abilities match something out there where we could begin. Mm -hmm. uh, because this is all part of getting beyond ourselves and getting right. out of the community and saying, okay, well, we need to be a I don't, lack of a better word, we need to be a player in the community. We need to be able to offer something of value right. that we can help the community. And through that refocus process, we were able to identify some areas that we could uh, begin to address and offer some help. And uh, so going through that process for me personally gave me some hope, gave me uh, really uh, a direction uh, to go in, the vision, the mission, and especially when we come down to the strategy aspect of the refocus, think, okay, how, yeah, God's called us to make disciples. This is how he's outfitted. So now how are we going to go about actually doing this? Right. And so to come up with a four-step strategy was just a great thing because then you start laying that out for the people in your congregation. They start catching the vision, the mission. They can see the practicality of how these steps of our strategy work, and then they begin engaging with it, and it makes all the difference in the world. So yeah. uh, it's given us a lot of hope. Yeah. And and it's changed the mindset of our church. Our our, our Emmanuel now uh, has does not have the mindset of okay, well that didn't work, we'll not do it again. Rather, they now have a mindset of yeah, we've got to go beyond ourselves. They have an yeah. outward focus now. They're willing to do things just because it's pleasing to the Lord. This is what God wants us to do. And whether any fruit ever comes from it or not doesn't really matter. We want it to, of course, but that's not really the point. The point is we're being obedient to serve the Lord and get beyond ourselves and try to reach people and make disciples. I I got to tell you. A story. I don't think I've ever told you this, but one of the things that came out of your refocus process, this desire to be more engaged with your community, and one of the practical things that you you guys did was you started doing a drive-up prayer during the morning commute. Yeah, And um, I don't live in this part of town, but I was driving through here at one point when you guys were doing that. And on one side of my brain, I was thinking, that's fantastic. They're 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 getting it out there. They're doing it. Great job, David. On the other side of my brain, I was thinking, this'll never work. <laughs> and I was yeah. I was like, I love, I love the energy and the effort. And then I was like, but who's gonna stop in the morning, in the middle of their morning commute? Right. Like everybody's late to work. Everybody's, you know, sitting in traffic and yes. like watching their watches. And the first time I heard you talk about the results yeah. and about the people who had come through and had talked and shared deeply personal stuff, like yes. with 
perfect strangers yeah. in a church parking lot as they just kind of slid in for prayer. And I was like, that's so awesome how wrong I was. <laughs> and I, I loved it. I loved it. It was one of my, yeah. I, I love it. I, I can be, I can tend toward arrogance a little bit. And so I love it when I'm, when I make a snap judgment in my head and I'm wrong, it's such a great humble reminder mm. for me. So, yeah. so good on you. That was, that was a great idea. I loved hearing the, the well, results from it. It's not something that originated with us. Well, uh, but there's a, a Castle Grand Trinity Baptist. Uh, they introduced us to the idea. Well, actually, it was through the Portraits Magazine sure. for Arizona Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. And uh, we saw that article, and we thought, well, you know what? We're older congregation, not physically able to do a lot of things, you know, physically getting out, walking door to door, doing whatever. But a drive through prayer, man, we can stand out in the parking lot. As people pull into one prayer, we can pray for them. Right. And so our people are like, yeah, we can do Let's do that. That's great. And so we got on it. And yeah, it's been a wonderful, wonderful ministry. Love it. You average how many cars a week? Oh, well, yeah. We're out there every Wednesday morning from 7 to 9, and we have never had less then 12 cars stop in, and we've had as many as 22 come in on, yeah. on a Wednesday morning. Yeah. That's I mean, awesome. we, they're lined up in our parking lot. We're praying at one car, and we got two cars lined up waiting to get prayed for, you know, so it's just amazing. Yeah. And some of those are returns. They're telling yeah. you what, what God's done and thanking you. And yeah, it's pretty amazing to, to yeah. hear the stories. We've had a family come to a church. Because of drive through prayer, and I baptized the mom well, uh, because awesome. of drive through prayer. And so I mean, it's a wonderful thing. Well, and it's such a testament to when you when you put intentional effort for the church to be the church and get like it. There's fruit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I shared at the beginning that um, Sunday coming up is your your last Sunday, um, and so you're leaving Emmanuel. Um, you're not giving up, um, but you're moving on to your next assignment um, and going to this place that's colder, <laughs> right? Um, we've got trees. Yes. I, I don't understand why Green you grass would, everywhere. Yeah, I don't understand what you're thinking. What What are you going to take from your experiences here to your new assignment? Mm, yeah. Well, as we've just been talking, I think the refocus process really is a game changer for me when it comes mm-hmm. to ministry. Um, you know, you can't just go Sunday to Sunday preaching and, and Wednesday to Wednesday prayer meeting night and hope that something happens. Right. You have to intentionally engage with your community, intentionally ask the Lord, okay, how have you outfitted us? What can we do as a church to reach this community? And so I'll take that with me and I'll go there. And of course, I need to learn the people need to learn the sure. area and need to just love on each other. Uh, and again, then just begin to see how the Lord has put that church together and then how can we effectively make disciples there. So I think it's the main thing that we'll take uh, from here yeah. with us. Yeah. What What would you say to a pastor who's feeling like this is the day that they need to let go, that they just can't hold on any longer? Mm-hmm. What would you try to tell them? Yeah. So I go back to our previous uh, experience and how difficult that was for us and the tears that Linda and I shared together and wondering, God, why are we going through this? Mm. And uh, it was a a refining fire. But at night when we got sleepless nights and stuff, we'd cry out to the Lord. And I'm reminded of the verse that says, He will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on thee. And so what I would do at night is I'd begin to 
start in Genesis and in my mind, what verses do I know from memory from Genesis? And I would mm. just rehearse those and then Exodus and rehearse those and, and begin to work my way through those memory verses all through the Old Testament. And before I knew it, I was back asleep again. And I would wake up going, oh, yeah, I would think I ended in Leviticus somewhere. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, focusing that way and, and trying to not focus on all the trouble that's happening and everything right. that's going on. God's promised to be with us, to walk with us, never leave us. God had called us to that church. For whatever reasons, he put us through that fire, but it taught us to focus our attention on him, on his word, the promises of word. And the other thing is, you can't do it alone. If it hadn't been for that seminary president that was on that other end of that phone and said, I've been through fires too, you're going to make it, mm. hang in there, yeah. then I don't know if we would have made it. And yeah. So, so yeah, uh, you just got to focus on the, the Lord, on his word, on his promises, and know that he has a purpose and a reason for everything happening like it is. Yeah. Well, David, thank you for your time today. Appreciate you being willing to come and be open and honest. And hopefully this encourages uh, one of our listeners today. Well, maybe more than one. Maybe more. Yeah. Well, thanks for letting me be here. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you for joining us at Life Hacks for Pastors as we've talked about building resilience um, through not giving up. Uh, Join us next week as we continue this conversation. And don't forget to send us uh, your favorite life hack uh, for some life hacks for pastors swag. Or if you're going through or have gone through a difficult situation and you have a, a story of victory to share about that, or you need to reach out and get some help processing that, um, you can send that to lifehacksforpastors at gmail.com and Tom and I will reach out to you. And we'd, we'd love to, to be able to share some time with you as well. Yeah, we're... You may not have that seminary president. You may not have a pastor in your community that you feel close enough to do that. Let us be that. Let us be that voice for you. We'd we'd love to do it. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Actor Pastures today. Don and Tom talked with David Lindens about how we can build resilience by not giving up. If you have a life hack that you would like to share, or a story about how you continued in ministry when times were hard. You can send those to lifeactorpastures at gmail.com. Life Actor Pastures is published each Monday, and we invite you to join us next week as Don and Tom continue to talk about building resilience by not giving up.